This weekend we are celebrating our graduates. We have high school and college and graduate school uh, people in our Calvary who've, who've come to this point in their lives. And last night we had a dinner for them. We, we saw pictures and their graduate picture and their baby pictures is always cool to watch. Uh, and then today at the end of the service, we'll pray for them. But we'll see their pictures at the end of the service. But I wonder if any of you would be interested in seeing my high school graduation picture that, that happened a few decades ago. And, uh, and so uh, I, since you asked, well, I'll show it. Uh, thank you for asking. Yes, that's me. Why you look at me like that? 1984, it's just been a minute. It's been a hot minute, uh, and it's proof, <laughs> Ruben, I heard you laughing. It's proof that at one point I had hair, like you, yeah, and that at one point I was young and slim. But here's the thing, when I, when I think about graduation, when I look back at those days of high school, here's, here's what I remember, God's grace. God's grace is I wasn't a great student, I'm just going to tell you. And it's because of God's grace that I graduated, and then I went on to college, and I got my college degree, and, and then I went to seminary, and I got my master's degree, and I went to a uh, doctoral uh, program, and I got my PhD, uh, and, uh, and, and all through all that, four graduations, the common thread for me was grace. Now, I know some of you are exceptional students. Some of you have like a 4.0 average, and you're like at the top of your class, and some of you have been valedictorian, salutatorians of your class. And, I commend you. That's great. That's awesome. You have honored God with your studies. I'm just going to confess, I wasn't that student, okay? I'm the student that, thank God for the professor who dropped the lowest grade, you know? I'm the kind of student that made appointments with the professor to convince them why I was perfectly justified in turning a paper in late. You know, I had a family, I worked full time, and I was in the ministry and all of that. And so it is by God's grace that I finished, and I thank God for that. You know, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, one thing that he wanted them to understand was that the relationship we have with the Father is based on grace. And so uh, when, when we look at the model prayer, which we've been going over the last several Sundays, today we come to verse 12 of Matthew 6, where he has the fourth request in the model prayer. And he reads like this, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And it has to do with the Father's forgiveness. Every request of the model prayer has to do with one of these aspects. The Father's character, we talked about that the very first Sunday. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That has to do with the Father's character. And when you pray, you need to be thinking of the Father's character. Then there's the Father's kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we pray, we ask for that in, in different ways. Last Sunday, I talked to you about the Father's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. And so we're, we can ask God for our needs. We come to him in confidence. And then today we come to the fourth request of the model prayer, and it is about the Father's forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so if you're following that shape in the prayer, then you've already filled out character and kingdom and provision. And today you can fill in forgiveness. Now, God's grace calls us to humility. It calls us to honesty and it calls us to harmony. That's what I want to talk to you about today. First about humility. Humility is the right attitude. 
knowing that our relationship is based on grace, then we can come to God in humility. It's a confident humility because here's, here's how it works. You know that grace is unmerited favor, that God has given you favor, not because you deserve it, but because he chose to do it. That's grace. It is unmerited favor. And so when you come to God, you can come with confidence because you know that you don't have to impress him, that you don't have to be perfect because he already decided to love you. He's already been perfect for you. But you come with humility for the very same reason because you know that you don't come on your own terms. You don't come to your own marriage. You come on the merits of him. So it's a, it's a confident humility that brings us to God. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That means we don't come to God in pride. We don't come to God comparing ourselves to others. Have you ever had a conversation with people about sinfulness and people say, well, at least I haven't killed anybody. And it's like, really, is that the standard? If you haven't killed anybody, then you're okay? Well, the Bible says we are all sinners. And so it's not about comparing ourselves to others. It's not about justifying ourselves. You know, that happens sometimes when people try to apologize. You ever heard people give like lousy apologies? I mean, I've been guilty of that, right? This is how a lousy apology goes. I'm sorry you feel that way. All of a sudden, it's their problem, right? I'm sorry you feel that way, but I had to do that because such and such. And you're like, dude, that's not even an apology. You're not not coming to terms with what you're saying. You're, You're coming with justification and with pride. And Jesus says that doesn't work. He gave us a parable that illustrates this very thing You might remember that parable. It's a parable about a very religious person that that just kept every requirement of his religion and then a very sinful person that had done some of the worst things that you can do in society and both of them come and they pray at the temple and one of them connects with God but the other one doesn't. You remember that story? You can find it in Luke chapter 18, verse 9. It reads like this. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So like the most respected person in society and the least respected person in society, at least in Jewish life. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Maybe he thought God would be impressed with that. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other one, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know what Jesus says? The, the one that connects with God is not the one that thinks that he kept all the rules and that he can impress God with his good behavior. The one that connects with God is the one that in humility says, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. You know, I, I decided that I would get serious about my walk with Christ when I was about 15 years old. I was in high school. I'd already made a commitment to Christ, but, but I was sometimes struggling with that. And, and uh, at 15 years old, I said, I gotta get serious about this. I can't keep just kind of going back and forth, riding the fence. And, and so I, I started reading the scriptures and praying, sharing my faith. I was serious about my walk with Christ. But from time to time, I found myself having to confess sins. 
and, and, and I was just so upset at myself because I would fall in a stupid sin and, and I would ask for forgiveness and then I would, I would do the same thing again. And I just felt terrible about that. And a couple of years later, uh, Christian artist released a song called Stubborn Love. And uh, the lyrics go like this. Caught again, your faithless friend. Don't you ever tire of hearing what a fool I've been? Guess I should pray, but what can I say? Oh, it hurts to know the hundred times I've caused you pain. The forgive me sounds so empty when I never change. Yet you stay and say, I love you still. Forgiving me time and time again. It's your stubborn love that never lets go of me. I don't understand how you can stay. Perfect love embracing the worst in me. How I long for your stubborn love. Funny me just couldn't see. Even long before I knew you, you were loving me. Sometimes I cry. You must cry too. When you see the broken promises I've made to you. I keep saying that I'll trust you, though I seldom do. Yet you, say, you stay and say you love me still, knowing someday I'll be like you. And your stubborn love, it never lets go of me. I don't understand how you can stay. Perfect love, embracing the worst in me, how I long for you, stubborn love. And that song just ministered to me as a young high school junior. And, and, and maybe stubborn love sounds disrespectful to you in, in talking about God's love, but but it is a great reminder of how God's grace abounds that when we come in humility, that, that he receives us, that he welcomes us with, when we have a broken heart about our sin. So humility is the right attitude. But confession is a respectful agreement. God's grace invites us to confession. The Father wants to forgive us, but forgiveness is not automatic. He asks us to confess our sin. God's grace is unmerited favor. He loves us unconditionally. When you and I surrender to Christ as our Lord and Savior, he saved us by grace. And because our relationship is based on grace, God will always be our father and will always be his children. Isn't that wonderful? If you trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, if God adopted you into his family, you are forever his child. You are in a forever spiritual family. If you were born spiritually, you cannot be unborn just like you can't be unborn physically. You're in the family of God. That's how grace works. So why does confession matter? Why do we ask God to forgive us our sins? Here's why. Because sin in our lives does not cancel our relationship with the Father, but it breaks our fellowship with him. And that's huge. That's big. I remember when I uh, was recently married, my father decided to divorce my mom. And he left my mom with three children at home who were still in school. And all of a sudden, she became a single mom supporting them. And, uh, and he moved away to another state. And I had a difficult time trying to sort out my feelings about that. Because my dad had been my mentor. He'd been my discipler. He'd been my pastor. He'd been my hero. He'd been the one I looked up to. And so when he, when he did this, it disappointed me. It made me angry. It, it, it made me upset. And most of all, it broke my heart. And it broke the heart of my mother and, and the heart of my brothers and the heart of my sister. 
And eventually broke my dad's heart too because he told me so. But you know, in all of that, my dad never stopped being my dad and I never stopped being his son. He was my dad, I was his son, but there was a distance. There was a broken fellowship that had taken place. And I knew that eventually I had to forgive him. And I knew that I couldn't judge him because I knew I hadn't been a perfect son. I, I couldn't throw the first stone because I had my own failure. So I wasn't trying to judge him. I was just upset and hurt and confused. It took time for my dad and me to be reconciled. There were letters, there were conversations, there were visits to Kansas and visits from him to Texas. And eventually we fully reconciled. He asked forgiveness. I asked forgiveness for however I had hurt him. And, and we were at peace when I was so comforted to know when he passed away that everything was okay between my father and me. You see, our sin doesn't necessarily break our relationship, but it breaks the heart. It breaks our heart and it breaks God's heart. So with the heavenly father, when you and I sin, it doesn't mean that he disowns us, but it means we, we break our communion with him. Our relationship is based on grace, but fellowship requires obedience. Now, obedience is, is empowered by grace. The, the wonderful thing, grace forgives you and it gives you the power to obey. Yet sometimes we disobey. And when we do, we break the fellowship with God. And confession is essentially agreeing with God about our sin. Confession is looking at our sin the way that God looks at it. And we have a hard time with that. Let me just say that. We don't always look at our sin the way God sees it. We, we think we downplay it, don't we? We, we call it something else. We come, with, we come up with creative names for, for our shortcomings, we call them. For our mistakes. Nobody's perfect, we say. But whenever we call our sin other than sin, we downplay it. Our debts means that we come short, that we owe God something. But look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. When, when we ignore our sin, we deceive ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. And then we're calling God a liar. And we say, there's nothing wrong. Everything's okay. And yet there's sin in our lives. We're not calling it what it is. We're not recognizing it for what it is. We're, we're, we're blaming somebody else. You know, one of the hardest things in pastoral counseling is to, is to lead people to admit they're wrong. You know how many times people come with problems and they blame everybody else and they have a hard time just saying, I've done something wrong. Or maybe I'm the one who, who, who created this problem. But yet there's an important thing here God says, when you confess your sins, there's forgiveness. Think about that. There's a promise here. Every time you confess your sin, God will forgive you. 
every single time you confess your sin, God will forgive you. What a promise. What a promise. There is not one single occasion that you'll come to God and he says, you know what, I'm not going to forgive you today. There, there isn't that possibility. You know the only time that you won't get forgiven is when you don't confess, when you don't ask. And it's funny how many times we don't. Unconfessed sin is toxic. Not only does it break our relationship with God, but unconfessed sin breeds more sin. It hardens your heart. And it begins to distance you from God. And as you walk away from God, you miss out on his blessings. You miss out on his direction. The voice of the Holy Spirit gets more faint in your life. who's the one that convicts you and guides you. And you get into deeper trouble. And things just get worse. You know, uh, some time ago, my wife and I discovered that we had a stain in our ceiling uh, because of, of a leak that had taken place in our air-conditioned system. And we addressed the leak, and then we were trying to fix the, the ceiling, the sheetrock. And we, we just took a long time to do it because we were trying to figure out who could do it right and who could do it for the right price. I told her, if I watch a YouTube video, I can do it. But she didn't believe me. So we waited, and... It took months and now finally somebody came last week and they cut the sheetrock out and, and they said, you know what, you still have a problem. And so we, I got up into the attic and I saw that our AC unit is still leaking and it's still giving us a problem. And now uh, things have gotten worse and, and the air conditioned unit has taken a toll and now it's gonna cost us more money to fix the AC unit and the leak and whatever needs to be done because we didn't take care of it months ago. And the same thing happens with sin. When you don't take care of the sin immediately, when you don't confess it, the stain would just get bigger and the problem would just get bigger. It's not out of God's control or God's reach, but it just gets harder. And in the meantime, you get hurt and you miss out on his blessings. So the invitation is for you to confess your sin daily. As soon as it happens, confess it. You know, Paul gives directions to the church on how we ought to relate to each other in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. He says it's the following, in your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Paul says, you know, when you relate to each other, sometimes you're angry, sometimes you're upset, sometimes you have resentment in the church, but don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go down on your resentment. That means that before you go to bed, Make peace. And that applies to the marriage too. Before you go to bed, reconcile. I know, guys, it's, it's sorry, but it goes like this. I'm sorry. That's how it, it's just really simple. And sometimes girls too. Sometimes girls need to say it. But don't go to bed angry. Make peace. Reconcile. It's a daily thing. And if it's true for brothers and sisters, it's true with the Father. Make peace with God every day. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Confession is a respectful agreement with the Father that allows us to receive forgiveness. And then forgiveness is a reciprocal action. You see, there's another powerful thing about grace is this, that, that grace requires us to open our hearts. You know that God's grace is abundant. There's like an ocean of grace but the only grace that you can experience is the grace that you are open to. You see, it's your heart 
that opens up to that grace so that you can receive it. So if you open your heart a little bit, you get a little bit of grace. You, if you open your heart medium, then you get medium grace. If you open your heart large, you get large grace. And here's the thing, when your heart's open to receive God's grace, then grace begins to leak out. It flows to others. You see, you receive grace and then all of a sudden you're, you're a conduit of grace to others because your heart is open. The, the floodgates of your heart are open to receive grace and to give grace. Here's the thing, forgiveness for the believer is not something we just receive, but it's something we give as well. When we receive forgiveness, we extend forgiveness. It's a reciprocal action that results from grace. You know that in the model prayer, Jesus has a commentary just on this one request. Did you know that? It's, it's right there on, right after the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Listen to what he says. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ouch. Ouch. Are you serious? It's interesting that in the model prayer, Jesus doesn't expand on our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That just stays as it is. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He just leaves it as is. Give us this daily bread. He leaves it as is. But he comes, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And he says, let me tell you what that means. Just in case, just in case it was not clear. If you forgive others, I'll forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. And I wonder why Jesus only gives a commentary on the fourth request. He doesn't give a commentary on all the others. And my sense is that he knew that's what we would have the most hard time with. That's what we would have the most difficult with difficulty with it's hard to forgive some people it's hard to forgive isn't it people that have hurt us people that have offended us people that have hurt somebody we love and it's hard to forgive them isn't it forgiveness comes hard and it takes time but it's not an option for the Christ follower Jesus teaches us that Receiving forgiveness goes along with extending forgiveness. You might ask, well, hold on, hold on. Is forgiveness of God, is the forgiveness of God conditional? Does that mean that I have to earn God's forgiveness by forgiving others? I thought you said it was grace. And I thought grace was unmerited favor. I did say that, and I meant that. So if you have to earn God's forgiveness, then it's not grace. If you, if you have to forgive others so that God will forgive you in that sense, in that conditional sense, then it's not grace, then what is it? Well, here's what it is. It's about that open heart. It's the open heart of the person that is willing to receive the grace of God. That when we forgive others, we are opening ourselves up to the forgiveness of God. God wants to forgive you. Here's how you know. You know how you, you know how you know that God wants to forgive you? He went to the cross. He already died on the cross for your sins. That's already a settled matter. It is finished. His forgiveness has already been offered. But what 
God wants you is to experience that forgiveness. And what you need to do is to open your heart. Bible commentary says that a, a closed door is closed on both sides. You've never seen a closed door. You say, well, it's only open from the outside. Or only closed from the inside. It's closed on both sides. So if it's close to forgiving, it's close to being forgiven. See, the problem is not with the forgiver. It's with the one that needs forgiveness. A different way of thinking about that is, is in terms of repentance. You know, when you confess your sins, you need to be truly repentant. And so if you come to God to ask for forgiveness, you need to be repentant. And if God says, you know, I, I'm going to forgive you, but I want you to forgive others, you say, oh, I'm not going to do that, then you're not truly repentant. And therefore, you're not able to receive forgiveness because you're not repentant. You're not submitting to God as king. To me, the, the best picture in my mind of how this works is the parable of the prodigal son. Do you remember that story? It's a young son who asked for his share of the estate as if his father was dead, but he wasn't dead. And his father gives him the share of the estate. And he goes and he squanders it in a, in a far country. He, he spends it all just partying, getting drunk and being out with ladies. And then he's feeding pigs because he's broke. He's got nothing left. And as he's feeding the pigs, he, he remembers his father's house and how much provision he had there. And he said, and he came to his senses. He snapped. He said, I'm going to go back to my father's house. I can't be a son anymore because I already lost that privilege. I already disowned my father, so I can't be a son anymore. But I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask him to be one of his workers because one of his workers is in better shape than I am right now. Do you remember when he starts walking back home, do you know where the father was? Do you remember where the father was? He was in the front porch waiting for him. Do you remember that? Here's the thing. The father was ready to forgive the son before the son even started walking home. But he wasn't going to extend his forgiveness to the son until the son was ready to receive it. The heavenly father is ready to extend forgiveness to you. He's sitting on the front porch waiting for you. For you to come and ask forgiveness. For you to come and say, I forgive those who have sinned against me. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. But he's not going to give you forgiveness until you're ready to receive it and to give it. Forgiveness is the reciprocal action resulting from God's grace. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors reminds us that our relationship with the Father is based on grace. God invites us to come to him in humility, in honesty, and in harmony with others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's an invitation to practice daily confession, to receive the Father's forgiveness, and then to extend it to others. Will you pray that way? Will you practice daily confession? Will you ask God to forgive you your sins? Will you forgive others? Who do you need to forgive today? I want to ask you to bow your head and think about that. Think how you need to respond to the message this morning. What is it that you need God to do in your life? What is it that you need to confess? What commitment do you need to make about prayer, about confession? What practices do you need to add to your life? And who do you need to forgive? 
We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in a moment. This is a good time to confess your sin, to forgive others, to make peace with God and with others. So prepare your heart.